Hey there, and welcome back to season one, episode 45 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Linda Santemeyer, and you've guessed it, she is my mom. And uh, we're going to sit down and talk about um, a prayer journal that she's developed with a uh, three other ladies, um, Carolyn Butler and Carrie McDowell, and they, they, they developed this prayer journal so that we can more uh, effectively pray for our leaders. I think that's something um, that I've struggled with, um, and this prayer journal has really helped me. It's called Breaking Through the Upper Crust, and it gives a 31-day prayer, 31 prayer journal on how do we can effectively pray for leaders. You know, as we've run up to the, the elections that's coming up in November, you know, there's a lot on the news and a lot of things going on. And obviously, we're not delving into politics on this on this podcast. At the same time, I think, you know, it's an area that I've been weak in the past in the sense that, you know, I, I follow the politics. I follow what's on, on the news and all that and the candidates. But how much time have I actually spent praying for my leaders? You know, I don't know how to pray for a Supreme Court justice. I don't even know half their names, to be honest with you. Um, who are the federal judges? Who are these people that, that we, we, we say we're voting for a certain person, for certain people, for this thing and that thing, but we don't even know what they do or who they are. Or, and so I think this prayer journal is valuable because it goes on how, do we pr- how to pray for, for the U.S. officials, how to pray for local government, how to pray for our police, how to pray for different people in the community that we vote for and um, the impact they have on our lives. So the, the book is Breaking Through the Upper Crust. Um, in the show notes, we'll have um, how you, if you would like a hard copy, um, how you could get one of those. Then we're also working on getting digital copies and information on, on that will be also in the show notes. But it's just something that I use every day. The prayers that are written by leaders, um, that many of the leaders that you would know, the leaders have written the prayers. And then it gives you a primes the pump on, on how to pray for them and people that lead at their level and their positions and, and things that I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how to pray for that because I've never done that. And I don't know the struggles of being in some of those areas and, and what, what a prayer that would be valuable for them. And so it's, it's a great journal and, um, do, do encourage you to use it in, in the 31 days running up to the elections and use it. And, um, so that we can be uh, praying for our leaders and that God would lead and guide and direct. And so just a great interview, um, enjoy learning from my mom. And, uh, it was, it was valuable to sit down with her and have this conversation. Do want to thank our, our sponsor for today's episode, which is Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology and sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com. Do also want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast now being listened in to over 103 countries, um, over 15,000 downloads. And um, people ask, why do you say that? What, what's the intention behind saying those numbers? It is for one to let you know the purpose of this podcast has always been to provide clarity and insight and life and mission for you to know that you're not the only person listening in. There is a community of people listening in and um, and we're growing together. And I think that's the power of growing in community like like minded people um, trying to find clarity, looking for clarity and growing together in this process. So that's why I say it. So I ask you to subscribe. I know the podcast I listen to or the or the podcast I've subscribed to are the ones I listen to. And so you can do that on on whatever mode that you listen to, iTunes, uh, iPodcast, or Stitcher, or Spotify, whatever you, whatever your flavor is, um, you can subscribe. And then that when there's new episodes come out, you'll have them right on, on your phone or your computer or tablet or however you listen. So, well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go.
Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today um, on a special bonus episode with Linda Santamayer. And as you probably gathered, Linda Santamayer is also my mom and so excited to be here with her today. Um, this is a special bonus episode that we're doing on how to pray for our leaders as we lead up into the time of elections. Um, just thought it'd be a great opportunity to sit down with her and to learn from from her and when it comes to praying for our leaders. Um, Linda, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Well, as you mentioned, I am your mom, uh, and I am privileged to be here this morning to talk with you and, and the listeners of the Clarity Podcast. I'm very humbled <laughs> to be interviewed when I think about the fantastic leaders that you've interviewed in the past. Um, I have been following the Lord for as long as I can remember, and it's been a great privilege to do that. And um, my walk with him, of course, like everybody's walk, has grown as I have grown in, in him. Born at where, Mom, where were you born and raised at? I was born and raised with in uh, a little place called Cumberland, Maryland, and have lived in a 12-mile radius my entire life. So um, my life has uh, takes, taken some different twists and turns through life. Um, my um, life has not always been easy. It's had its ups and downs, and, um, but God has been gracious to me, and uh, he has been kind when life has not always been kind. <laughs> For sure. And so you, you stayed, um, stayed at home. You were involved in the church. You were head of, of um, women's ministries and um, missionettes and uh, very resilient. And then um, and later in life, um, you went back to school. When you went back to school, what did, you went back to be a nurse. And then you worked for a while and you ended up being starting and developing a program called Parish Nursing. Could you just share about that just for a minute or two? Sure. That was an exciting time in life. Um, as, as you mentioned, I had been involved in leadership through uh, the church for many, many, many years. And that led me to the opportunity to develop parish nursing for the Western Maryland Health System here in, in our local tri-state area. And parish nursing is a program that uh, allows nurses to have the resources to do health education within their home church. And I was the uh, link between the hospital and um, the churches and the nurses. I developed the program from ground up, and uh, it's been a very strong, uh, thriving um, program within the tri-state area. Good deal. Good deal. And um, you retired. And uh, as we were speaking on the subject of prayer, um, if I do remember correct, in the emergency room, the prayer room is named after after you. That That's correct, right? <laughs> that is correct. It was a great honor. The nurses who worked for me, I had about 100 volunteer nurses who worked under the parish nurse program. And when I retired, they took up collection among themselves and bought me a room in the hospital, and it is the prayer room uh, in the emergency room at the hospital. Well, then there we go. You have all the credentials um, to talk about prayer, <laughs> and so we're excited. I'm excited uh, for this today. Mom, we normally Thank start you. the podcast with um, a lesson learned, and um, one word I, I, I could describe you as is, is resilient. 
Um, you lost your mom at a young age. Um, you spent a year in bed with rheumatic fever and um, just recently have been going through a, a battle with cancer. Um, what have you learned about the power of prayer um, during these these trying times that you've experienced in your life? Oh, Aaron, I have I have learned so much over the years, and most of what I have learned about prayer, I have learned the hard way. Um, as you mentioned, my childhood was um, a little little rough. It was a little tough. And um, it wasn't all bad, though. I had a wonderful dad who was the rock of our family, the glue that held us all together. And he taught me a strong work ethic and uh, strength of character. He taught me to be both independent and dependable and, um, he, and to always honor my word. But there were also some women in my life who played a huge role and stepped in after my mother died. And um, if you would uh, allow me, I would like to do honor to some of those women who taught me the aspects of walking with Christ. Janet Pazell taught me to love the word of God. And Eleanor Wigfield taught me about leadership. And my stepmother, Dolores, taught me to love missions and pray for missionaries. But it was Margaret Keller who taught me the importance of the power of prayer. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Mount Savage sisters who showed me and all of Central Assembly of God in Cumberland, Maryland, the power of intercession. Mighty, mighty women of, of prayer. And through these influences, slowly prayer became a part of my life. And um, I have to admit, as a young mother of three children, my most impactful prayers were one-word prayers. And usually they were just the name of Jesus. And I, I remember distinctly when uh, we almost lost your youngest sister, Carissa, that Jesus was the only prayer that I could pray. And it was the most powerful prayer there was. And I remember uh, a miracle that I've told you children all your life that happened on the Ridgely Road. And that prayer simply was, Jesus, help me. And I remember another one more prayer when he asked me if um, I would give him to you to be used in your in ministry. And that prayer was simply yes. And um, Prayed for you kids when you went to school each morning, trusting the Lord with the loves of my life. And I learned the peace of praying in the spirit when I had no words, when my dad died and um, when your sister Beth left for college. And later in life, and, um, when the nest was empty and life slowed down, I learned the value of the power of praying scripture. So... I don't think any of us are born a, born a prayer warrior, and I certainly wasn't. So prayer in my life has been built in stages and phases as I've grown in life. And in the last 17 months, I've been uh, battling stage four cancer. The doctors have given me minimal survival rate, and um, my prayer life has evolved through this life event as it has all the other life events in my life. And uh, as I was gathered, as I was diagnosed with um, stage four, I began to gather all the prayer tools that I had in my little arsenal and uh, began to pray. And as strange as this may sound, 
cancer has not only been the single hardest thing that I've encountered, but yet has been, been the most amazing experience I've ever had with God. And I've learned more about prayer through this experience than I had ever known, known before. Um, and I would not undo this experience because of the closeness that has brought me to the presence of God. Um, the Holy Spirit guided me in the very beginning to seek the healer and not the healing. And um, two separate friends gave me similar lists of scriptures about the testimony of Dodie Osteen. And those scriptures became so important to me. And I compiled a six-hour playlist of worship music, and I listened to it at every year every opportunity. And as I have sought the healer through praying those scriptures and um, doing what medical science has asked me to do, um, as I've sought the healer, literally people around the world have been praying for my healing. So today I feel great and I look great for an old woman and no one would guess that I live or fight the diagnosis of stage four cancer. And that's the power of prayer. And that's how in a nutshell, how prayer has developed in my life. Didn't start out prayer warrior, but I grew into being a woman of prayer because life has stretched me into needing prayer desperately. Prayer is my lifeline. It's really Amen. my only hope. Amen. Well, today we're, we wanted to um, this. We're talking about praying for leaders, and uh, you mentioned that you've been a leader and um, continue to lead in different different aspects in in life and in mission. And today we wanted to talk about um, breaking through the upper crust, and that is a book that you you worked with, led a team um, to write um, specifically about praying for leaders. Can you can you share um, a little bit about the story behind um, breaking through the upper crust? Sure. It's an exciting story. The book was actually birthed out of an, an amazing event called the Everything Changed Prayer Tour. 78 women and one district superintendent, Ken Bertram, were on a mission. We planned for a year and then we traveled by bus over a thousand miles and logged 63 hours of corporate prayer. And we held rallies in the major cities of our district, which include District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. For seven days, we held rallies, and over 1,200 women and men attended those rallies. And we prayed over the seven prayer mountains uh, that have been identified. One of the very first stops on that tour was um, at a business, uh, a Western Maryland coal mine. And the guide uh, gave us a very interesting fact. And the fact was that the hardest part of mining is breaking through the upper crust of the earth. And once that's done, all other mining is much easier. Our next stop was the WVU campus where the Holy Spirit gave the coal miner statement a spiritual application as he led the prayer of one of the women to pray for the upper crust of the campus, knowing that if the hard to penetrate anti-God professors, the influential athletes, the popular students, even the president of the college, if they would accept Christ, they would be influential in leading and reaching other people 
to accept Christ. So from there, at each stop on this seven-day prayer tour, we prayed as the Holy Spirit led for the upper crust in each of the areas of leadership and influence that represented those seven prayer mountains. The tour was a life-impacting prayer experience, and each day we began to pray more audaciously and more uh, with more power and with more boldness. And uh, we began to see things happen. And one of the most amazing things we saw happen was the difference in our very openly skeptical bus driver and the change in him during those seven days. The first week home from the tour, I got to shingles. And it was in those days of recuperating and reviewing the events that the Holy Spirit spoke to very strong things into my heart. One was a command, and that was to resign all areas of ministry within my church. I currently, at that time, was leading five different areas of ministry within the church. The other was a statement and an outline, and it was to, and the statement was, Linda, to change everything, it'll take more than a once a week year, one week a year prayer. It will take earnest daily prayer for the upper crust. And then the Holy Spirit began to drop an outline that was complete with a purpose and a belief statement for the breaking through upper, the upper crust 31-day prayer guide help myself and others to pray for world leaders and influencers. As I wrote down those thoughts for the early hours that day, I kept thinking this is way much, way too big for me, much bigger than I am. I need help. So for weeks I prayed and I argued about resigning ministry and leadership. I reminded the Lord how inept I was, uh, but to no avail. Uh, and eventually I realized that God was serious and I wanted his will. And so I realized that I had to say no to the present to be able to move forward into the future with a yes. So after a struggle, I obeyed and I resigned. And then I invited two dear friends, Carolyn Butler and Carrie McDowell, both ordained women and prayer partner tours and women with talents that I didn't possess to dinner. And I told them my story and they listened and they asked questions and the Holy Spirit prompted them to join in this endeavor that I had been given to lead. And none of us, none of the three of us had a clue how many hours fleshing out this outline would involve. We didn't know the vast number of people it would take to put the project together. We didn't have a clue how we would get it printed. But we did know for sure that this was of God and that if we would be obedient, we would see his results in his time. So we worked and we prayed for six months before we even had a clue what God's divine plan was. And, it, that's, and then we worked for another six months before we saw the reality of what he dropped in my heart. And um, one year later, uh, the district superintendent for the Potomac District, Frank Potter, made printing of the prayer guide possible. He had the prayer guides mailed to every minister within the Potomac District. Women's Ministry Director Linda Webb and her team hosted a district-wide 
prayer events, six different events that occurred simultaneously the same day throughout the district where books were highlighted and given to each woman who attended. All in all, approximately 2,000 books were distributed within a few months' time to people within the Potomac District who we prayed would catch the vision and begin to pray for leaders and influencers of our world. As the Potomac District is uh, very unique in the fact that the capital of the United States, the most powerful government in the world, is within our district. So we knew that many of the leaders of the world were going to be right there in that hub in the District of Columbia. And I still marvel to this day that the Lord gave me the uh, opportunity to lead this project. And I marvel at the miracles that have been associated, which I could talk for hours about the reality of how this uh, book came to be and the miracles that have occurred surrounding it. So it's been quite a privilege. And in that in that process, um, you talked about it's 31 days of prayer and um, it's praying for that upper crust or the leaders in the in the world, in the community and in the United States. What are some of the lessons that you've learned um, how we can how we can pray for leaders? Well, there are some very uh, poignant lessons that I have learned uh, regarding that question. As I said, I was remi- I was reminding God about my inability, my inadequacy to lead this project. That the Lord took me to uh, Proverbs two one and eight, and as I began to read that uh, portion of Scripture, um, I felt impressed to write it as a prayer. So I did, and it's actually day five in the prayer guide when we pray for the federal and judicial leaders and. I had to admit I did not have a, a clue who half their names was. So obviously I wasn't praying for them <laughs> up to that point. So I, I really needed to learn lessons, you know. So I looked up their names. And then I took Proverbs 2, 1, and 8. And I began to insert their names into that scripture. And I began to ask the Lord to do the things for them that Proverbs 2, 1 and 8 tells us. And as I prayed that scripture, it began to take on life. And I began to realize that the power of praying scripture, and it began to take on authority in praying in that way. And as I did that, I no longer doubted leading the project. I no doubt longer doubted that God was going to answer and use this God. The other way that um, I learned praying for leaders was that um, Carrie and Carolyn and I each developed 31 prayers for these 31 leaders and influencers that the Holy Spirit helped us to identify. We looked at our prayers and we thought they were pretty good prayers, but we just felt that that wasn't the right way to go. So we began to contact people that we knew, people within in the district and people without the district. And we asked them to develop prayers for us for these 31 days. We gave them the list and said, we, it has to be scripture-based but develop us a prayer. And we were humbled by all the response that we got 
different people that we never dreamed would respond. And um, we saw the power of their prayers and we learned to pray better or to pray more effectively by reviewing the prayers of these prayer warriors who responded. So in all, I think that we learned from the Holy Spirit from, and God's word and from others how to effectively pray for the upper crust and world influencers today. Um, I use the prayer guide every day as a starting point to allow me, the Holy Spirit to help me pray for the focus of the day. And um, it has really made a difference in my prayer. It's made my prayers more powerful, I believe. No, it's great. And I, I use it the same way. It's kind of a, a primer. I think a lot of times we want to pray for leaders, but we really don't know how to pray for them. I mean, you yeah. talked about the Supreme Court justices. I couldn't, I mean, I consider myself a semi-educated person and pretty well-read, but I could name you two or three of them. And, and I think that's been what's been valuable for me is we pray for the, the multiplicity of leaders in that upper crust, it gives you, it kind of primes the pump and uh, gives you a direction, some structure to a prayer, and then allows the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you um, as you continue, we continue to pray. What do you think are some of the reasons um, people may, might be hesitant to pray for leaders? Do you think it's because maybe we don't agree with the, the, the governor, or we might not agree with politicians, or we might not agree with the, uh, somebody's um, stance? And, and how do we, how do we pray for people that maybe we don't agree with, and do we have to agree with them to pray for them? Oh, great question. We, I believe, there are at least three, maybe four reasons why we don't pray for leaders. I think the most poignant of those is that we have lost sight of the command that's given to us in First Timothy two one through six to pray for leaders and influencers. It isn't a suggestion, it's a command. And also, I think that we don't uh, pray for our world leaders and influencers because we don't necessarily know how to pray for them. One, we might not know who they are. And two, we might not uh, even begin to know how to pray for them. And the prayer guide really helps that stumbling block because we have identified 31 world leaders and influencers. Uh, we have asked, we have picked from all the prayers that were submitted, 31 different individual prayers from people who have a passion for certain areas. For instance, Gary West, a retired U.S. Air Force uh, veteran, wrote for the United States Department of Defense. Who best would know how to pray for our, our military than a retired military man? Greg Mundus, wrote, our executive director for Assembly of God World Missions, chose to write for persecuted Christians. Tom McCow wrote for Cleveland and wrote for athletic leaders. He was a Cleveland Indians uh, pitcher. Um, Robert Roden and Frank Potter, both a former and presiding district superintendent, wrote for denominational governing bodies. And um, U.S. World Missionaries, Pray for Them, was written by a much-loved missionary advocate, uh, Wendell Cover. So there were uh, 
individuals with passions for these areas of leadership who wrote these prayers. And they help us identify who they are and then give us clarity about how to pray for them. It begins with international leaders and it ends with ourself. Yourself, many of us don't feel that we are leaders or influencers, but we all have an area of influence and we need to pray for ourselves. I believe the third stumbling block for praying for the upper crust leaders and influencer of the world is simply like you said, that we either dislike them or we dislike what they stand for. The first goal or expected outcome the Holy Spirit gave me with the outline for breaking through the upper crust prayer guide was um, that all men would know Christ. And that's found in 2 Peter 3, 9. My dad always said, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, but I believe that God can. A CEO that I worked for um, always started his department director meetings with when we, especially when we were talking about changes that had to be made was only an idiot does the same thing the same way and expects a different result. So I might say to myself and to you and the listeners that if we're not praying for our leaders and influencers, we're kind of silly if we expect a different result. If we want our leaders to lead with wisdom and godliness, with a heart for the people they serve, we have to pray for them and we have to pray for their salvation. Only when they have a relationship with Christ will they lead differently. Only when they have a relationship with Christ will they think differently or act differently. So we, not, we need to pray for their salvation first, and then we need to pray that they have the mind of Christ so that they will lead in the Christ-like fashion that we hope for. Praying is like voting. It is an optional. If we're not praying for our leaders, we have no right to complain or to criticize. Second Timothy doesn't give us an option. It's a statement. It's a command to pray, petition, and intercede, and to give thanks for kings and all those in authority. As Americans, we are both privileged and obligated to vote, and we are privileged and obligated to pray for the leadership and the influence of, of influences of our country, whether we like them or dislike them. We get to state that in our vote. But in our prayers, we have to pray for all men equally, as God loves all men equally. And if I would throw a fourth one in there, I believe that um, some people don't pray for world influencers and leaders because they doubt that their prayers actually will make a change. And that's a sad note. That is a sad note. So those are, those are the ones that I believe are the leading reasons that we don't pray for our leadership. Um, you've seen, you know, obviously I grew up in, in your house, um, and you've seen many changes within the church over the years, um, and you've been through many challenging times in the church. How did you learn to pray for leaders um, during those, those challenging times um, within the church? Well, I, I, I chuckle as you're saying that um, we have ridden through a lot of turbulence uh, in the church over the years. We've had nine pastors in the last 50 years. 
Um, and it has been a challenge to pray for some of them. Um, I, I, I'll tell you a story. Actually, I'm going to tell you two stories and make them as quick as possible. I had an agree, a disagreement with one of our neighbors. And uh, we had been good, really good friends. We were raising our children together. But it was a pretty serious disagreement. And uh, I was very grieved over the loss of the perceived loss of friendship. So I went to a mentor in the church and I asked her, what should I do? And she didn't tell me what to do, but she gave me a challenge. And the challenge was to begin to pray for this neighbor that I disagreed with. And every time I thought of the disagreement, passed her house, saw her out or missed her, I was simply to say, God, help me to see her through your eyes and for her to see me the same way. Well, this went on for what seemed like forever, but was really actually a couple weeks. And as I prayed that way, what we had disagreed on became less and less important. And what Hazel had not told me when she gave me that challenge was that I could not pray for that neighbor without beginning to love her and beginning to see her differently. That love changed my perspective and it covered a multitude of perceived wrongs. Eventually I felt like it was the right time and I baked the proverbial cake and I went to her door and when she opened the door, she began to cry and say how sorry she was and would I forgive her. Later she moved, but we're still friends today. Now I've applied that to my prayer life for the pastors and the leaderships within the church. I've prayed to see them through God's eyes. And as I did, I began to have a different perspective on them and their leadership style. And the things that I didn't care for became less important. I began to be able to love each pastor and was able to feed from their messages and be stretched in my personal walk with the Lord through their leadership style and have even been able to encourage some of them. We have seen some nasty things in the church over the years, and you've lived through some of them yourself. There was a time when I was praying um, over um, a particular nasty situation, and um, I have to admit, I realize now that I was not praying scripturally. I was praying my will, not God's will, and I was praying for my church, not for his church. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of something that he had asked me many years ago during another turbulent time. And that was this, simply, are you praying the way you want people to pray for your son? And I had to admit the answer was no. I soon changed my prayers and I began praying those leaders for the way I wanted people to pray for you, our son. All that to say that through the turbulence that we, your daddy and I have read, rode through the years in church, we agreed early on in our marriage that we would not participate in church problems and we would not feed them and that we would never rise up against a pastor. 
And on that stand and learning to pray those two ways, we have been able to survive and thrive in church turbulence through the years. Now, there's been good years, too, but I believe that as I have submitted and I have prayed in those two ways, that um, it has changed me for the better. It's been good for our church, good for his church, and it's definitely been good for me. Amen. Amen. And you, you have, you have modeled that. Um, Mom, I'm going to ask you, we're going to go ahead and move um, into asking you to pray for the, the, for the people listening in, um, that they would take the next 31 days to pray for leaders. We'll put in the show notes how people can um, get a copy of the, the book. Um, we'll put that there. But will you go ahead and pray um, for the audience and um, that, that we will, we will take what you shared today and that we will take seriously the, the run up um, to the elections and um, as much division, there seems to be some much polarization. There seems to be that, that um, the church and those who call Jesus their Lord and Savior will be models of people of love and caring and people of prayer and to, uh, to take the 31 day prayer challenge to pray for our leaders and uh, not advocate our role um, in that process. Will you pray for us today? I would be privileged. Father, in my 70 years, I've never seen our nation in such turmoil and disregard for you and your will. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for not allowing our light to shine brighter in dark places. Forgive us for not praying and seeking your face as we should. Forgive us for not being bolder in living out the authority that you've given us to stand for truth. Forgive us for not praying and seeking your face as we should. We live in perilous times, Father, and if not for you, our hearts would be fearful. So we humbly come before you and we ask you to intervene in this mess that we have made or allowed to happen in this beautiful world that you've created. I truly believe that you are the highest ruler and that no earthly leader compares to you. I believe that you can turn hearts and minds of both the righteous and the unrighteous to do your will. We ask you now to cleanse the hearts, turn the minds, conform the wills of the leadership and the influence of America, regardless of their political persuasion or their area of service in our government or in the world. Holy Spirit, Place in our hearts, the people of America, the desire to pray before criticizing, to conduct our actions in, Christ, in a Christ-like manner, and to choose to comment on social media in light of your approval in the turbulent days ahead. Help us to remember the wisdom of silence in ungodly debates. As we move into the eight-week period preceding one of the most emotionally charged, crucial elections American has ever experienced. I pray first that the people of Christ would have Christian values, that we would be compelled by the Holy Spirit to pray and to vote according to our convictions. 
I pray that every ballot cast in an illegal manner will be rendered null and void. I pray that every legal ballot will be protected and counted. I pray that the leader of your choice will be elected. elected. And Father, regardless of the outcome of the election, help us not to forget exactly who is really in charge. You are in charge. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're ultimately in control. You are always in control. Our confidence, our hope, our trust is not in any one candidate. It is in you. It is in you alone. As long as I've lived, I've heard and believed that you are coming back again. Your word tells us that our prayers requesting your return will expedite or hurry up your return. So today, today, Father, above all else, I pray, we pray, that you will give your precious son Jesus the command to come again and draw us home to you. We pray your kingdom will come. We long for that day as never before. We love you, Lord, above all else. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are our solace in troubled times. You are our peace. We play our we place our lives and our nation in your competent, strong, and mighty hands because we know you are faithful and we know that we can trust you. Amen. 